0: And You've reserved that honor for them. And God, I pray for a holy anointing. I pray, God, for a holy fullness to fall upon our student body. God, I pray that we will be deliberate, that we will be intentional, that, God, our lives will begin to be wrapped around You. That, God, our focus would be Your focus. That, God, would begin to see things with Your eyes. That, God, as Your heart beats, for the things that you are passionate for that you love that God our heart would be in rhythm with yours and our heart would beat for the things that you love the things that you are passionate for oh God and that Father, we would see your kingdom come we would see your will be done in our lives and the lives of those that we will witness to the lives of those that we will share life with. And God, we do want to be witnesses. Witnesses to your might. Witnesses to your power. And God, we already are. And God, I pray as we begin to talk tonight, as we begin to share,
1: and as we begin to lay out
0: this vision and begin to, to, to look at ourselves and look at our lives and what we're really doing, Father, I pray, Father, that just melt us. And then, God, we would just be moldable and shapeable by You. Father, You would pour Your Spirit. And we would taste of Your Spirit and we would hear Your voice. God, that Your impression would be so, so complete, so understandable, so in our face, God, that we could not miss it. God, I just thank You for This evening, I thank you, God, for a spirit of worship. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for students who are hungry, God. Students who are thirsty, Lord Jesus. And they'll want more and more of you. So, God, remain in this place as we talk tonight. And share with us your concerns. Share with us your will, God. God, may we look like you. May we truly be your disciples and followers. We love you in your holy and precious name. Amen. 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 Alright. You guys can have a seat. I have a seat. Take my face. Never mind. I was going to take your stand. It's alright. Oh, awesome. singing hallelujah, hallelujah, okay. you probably don't want to hear it solo, but singing that was uh, just reminding me of El Salvador again, and just uh, our uh, sister church down there, and our sisters and brothers in Christ, and we continue to lift them up, and uh, pray for them uh, often, I saw pictures on Facebook the other day of just their uh, youth service, and their students worshiping praising God I wish I could have been there for that service here we are you guys doing alright? I tell you what man it's undeniable when you hear God's voice isn't it? I mean when you hear God speak to you you know God spoke to you I had a uh, situation I had a moment that I missed the other night so I'm confessing it to you I'm confessing to you that I missed it but I'm also confessing to you that I was excited when I heard God's voice that clearly and that that quickly, even though I had to repent because I missed my moment. Um, it was late, it was probably like 9.30, 10, we were out of milk, so I had to go to CBS, pick up a couple gallons of milk and stuff, and I was sitting there in line, and I walked up, paid for my milk, and I'm tired. I've been working in the gym all week, uh, long hours, and just kind of whipped, sitting there, and Lady said, Man, my neck is hurting tonight behind the register. And immediately I heard God say, You should pray for it. You should stop right now and pray for it. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm giving her my money and stuff. I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking. And I just started walking away and I walked out the door. I'm like, What am I doing? Why did I just walk out this door? God just told me to do something. So I kind of turned around and looked back in, and there's already people in line and there. I'm like, I missed it, didn't I? I missed it, God. He's like, "Yep, you missed it." You know, just just. But I walked away. I said, "God, forgive me for missing new moment. I won't miss the next one. I'm sorry that even in my uh, mode of, I'm whipped, I'm tired, I'm not even processing quite correctly, uh, that I wasn't fully paying attention." What you wanted me to do. And I repented and I walked away and I smiled and I said, Wow, thank you for allowing me to do that. It's undeniable when you hear that speak, it's undeniable when you miss a moment. It sucks. <laughs> Don't miss your moments. Okay? Take advantage of whatever you want. So Today I want to talk to you about disciples. A disciple, I defined it myself. I didn't care about Webster. I didn't care about any of the search engines on the, uh, on the computer. I just uh, defined it myself. One who chases after. Disciple. One who chases after. And Matthew chapter 28. We find 11 disciples gathered around Jesus. And He gives them this command. He says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Eleven people spoke that commandment. Did you know that every Christian is commanded to make disciples? Every one of you, every one of me, everyone one point to each other, point to the person sitting beside you, saying, you are commanded Don't be a doofus. You are commanded to make disciples. And don't forget it. And if you do, I'm going to slap you upside the back of the head. Like this. Alright. Good. Every Christian is commanded to make disciples. Guys, any Christian can make disciples. You can be a discipler. I mean, you can have people following you. You can raise them up and you can disciple. Every Christian is commanded to do that. But I'm telling you, every Christian can do that. You don't have to have some special skill. You don't have to have some unusual ability to make disciples. It's kind of like making macaroni and cheese. There's not a whole lot to it. I mean, some people can still mess it up. I've seen it happen in my house. But that's okay. I mean, it's macaroni and cheese. It's a quarter cup of milk, a half a stick of butter, and you blow the noodles. Come on. It's not that hard. It's making disciples. You don't have to be successful. You don't have to be a successful pastor. You don't have to be a type A personality. You don't have to have great leadership skills, or be a great communicator, or be some innovative thinker. You don't have to do any of these things to make disciples. Do it. it doesn't matter the salary that you make or what level of ed- education that you have. I know most of you are around 5th grade. That's alright. I think as the church in America, we've lost our model. This idea of how to make disciples. We've relied on big programs. We've relied on the church as an organization. We've relied on performances. And we've relied on our pastors. But according to Jesus, people People are God's method for winning the world to himself. People are God's method not only bringing people into relationship with him and salvation, but people are God's method of raising people up and making them fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. David Platt, who wrote Radical, who I'm still reading, I've been reading it for five months now, said, disciple making is not about a program or an event, but about a relationship. As we share the gospel, we impart life. And this is the essence of making disciples. Sharing the life of Christ. Sharing the life of Christ. You know, Jesus, he was a maverick. You guys know what a maverick is? A maverick is somebody who does things different. They're kind of countercultural. They're a nonconformist. They wouldn't do things like you would normally do things. If a maverick made macaroni and cheese, he would melt the butter first. And he would, I don't know what he would do. He would do it differently than what normal people do it. I mean, they're are maverick. They do things different, non-conformist. Jesus was like that. He did things that other people looked at and like, What? What's he doing? What? How? What? I mean, he, was a, he was a maverick. He was so different from us that he did things in our eyes that weren't. Who made a joke? Huh? <laughs> nice. Nice. He was a non still. too. So. Okay, so he did things in, in people's eyes that weren't normal. In fact, Jesus did things that were unusual. Jesus came into this world to reunite the world with God by taking the gospel to people. To reunite the world with God by taking the gospel to the people. He wandered through the streets and the byways or the alleyways of Israel. And he was looking for what? What was he looking for? A few good men. Just a few good men is what he was looking for. He was initiating a revolution. I mean, that's what his purpose was. He wanted to start a revolution on this planet. But his revolution would not revolve around the masses. It wouldn't revolve around the multitudes. Instead, it would revolve around just a few men. Teenagers, to be exact. Teenagers. 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Teenagers. It would not revolve around positions. It wouldn't matter what position you held. It wouldn't matter what title was behind your name. What labels you had or how popular you were at school. Jesus kind of shunned all that stuff. He didn't really want anything to do with it. And his plan was to turn history upside down. And what he wanted to accomplish was to get a few men, just a few, to think like he did. To love as he loved. To see the world differently from his perspective. To teach as he did. Serve the world like he served them. Just a few men. All he needed was, all he needed was to revolutionize the hearts of a few. But the gamble, the gamble that Jesus took was that He left the fate of the world, the fate of this revolution that He came down to begin. He left the fate in the hands of 11 teenagers. You ever think about that? 11 teenagers. Here, I want 11 you stand up. You, 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 you. You, 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 you. You stand up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven. So just go up here. Stand up in front Stand up front. Stand up front. The fate of the world. The world. Every nation. Now I'd be seem really smart right now if I knew how many nations there were, and I would just grab those offering points, but I don't. But every nation of the world in your hands. Every day, the revolution of Christianity. You eleven people truly probably the few that really understand. I mean, you spent the most time with Jesus. I mean you were, it was day and night for three and a half years, and you were with Jesus. All the time. You watched him do all the things he did. You heard him say all the things that he said. Happened that you didn't understand. It didn't make sense. But you kept following. You were being discipled. And he died on the cross. And he left the fate of the revolution. And the fate of the world in your hands. What do you guys think? I don't know. I'm to switch a couple of times. I'm skip. sit down. you to be great. Have a sweet. Have a sweet. Have a sweet. Have a sweet. I do have a sweet. I got some sweet tarts right here. Woo! Oh wait, they're smarties. Never mind. You when know I was growing up, with those kind of packages were sweet tarts. I do not even see smarties in a package back It's alright. So the gamble Jesus took was to lead the fate of the world. The world. Think about the world, all the people in the world. The 11 teenagers' hands. That's amazing to me. Now picture Jesus as he's about to go to the cross and become the sacrifice for all of humanity's sin. And in John 17, we find Jesus praying to his Father in the last hours of his life, just before he's taken by the Roman soldiers. And it begins uh, like this, I've brought you glory on earth. By completing the work you gave me to do. So this was God's plan. Hey Jesus, I want you to go down there and I want you to find 11 teenagers and we'll change the world. What do you think Jesus was thinking? I mean, he was probably thinking, okay, let's do this. But we would be thinking, are you nuts? Are you crazy? 11... Jesus goes on, then He describes that work of what He's accomplished in that last prayer that night before He's arrested. What's amazing to me is that when Jesus summarizes His work on earth, He doesn't start reliving all the great sermons that He preached and all the people who came to listen to Him. I mean, remember He had crowds of 5,000 men alone. That doesn't include the the families, the women and the children that listened to Him. I mean, picture Him up on a mountain Five thousand people around him. That's just the men. Picture 10, 15,000 people, and he's preaching and he's teaching, and every time scripture says it was four thousand, so picture like twelve thousand. I mean, it was crazy multitudes of people that came to hear him, but he didn't talk about that. He doesn't talk about the amazing miracles that he performed. The healing of the sick, the raising of the dead. The blind see, the mute speak, the deaf hear, the sick get well, all that other good stuff. He doesn't begin to talk about that. He doesn't talk about feeding all those people with the little boy's lunch. You know, five loaves of bread and two fish. And he fed thousands and thousands of people. He doesn't talk about that. Instead, he talks repeatedly about the small group of men God had given him out of the world. The small group of men. They were the real work God had given his son Jesus to accomplish. These disciples were literally and became literally Jesus' life. This was Jesus' assignment. Eleven young men. Eleven teenagers. I want to to read to you part of Jesus' final prayer. It's in John 17. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's really, when, when, you're, when you're down and you're struggling, I read this prayer. It's, it's very, very encouraging. I want to start with verse 6. I'm going to read a little bit of it. So stay focused, stay with me, stay blue. Listen to these words. I've revealed to you, these, Jesus talking to his father. I've revealed to you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. I love that. I have passed on to them the message you gave. Isn't that discipleship? I have passed on. Everything I know, I've passed on. My experiences, I've passed on what I know about God. I've passed on this relationship, this life-giving, life-breathing relationship with Jesus. I've passed it on. You gave them to me and they've kept your word. Now they Now they know that everything I have is a gift for you, for I passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and know that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you've you've given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you've given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. United. One. Togetherness. As one. Ran out of definitions. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. That's Judas. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Man, these guys are starting to look like Jesus. Jesus didn't belong to this world. And all of a sudden, these 12 guys that were born in the world had a mom and a dad, and they were born there, and they were out of the world. All of a sudden, Jesus is saying, they don't belong to the world either. That's pretty good discipleship. We can get 12 guys not to belong to the world, just like he didn't belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is true. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me. Oh, man, now now this is getting good. I gave them the glory. Gee, Jesus, I gave them the glory that God gave them. That's me. What's that? I gave them the glory. The same glory Jesus had you and I have. Or we have. Ability to get I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want those whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. and these disciples know you sent me, I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. It's crazy. Here's some, just, some of those key uh, scriptures that were, that were just read, talking about, man, these disciples. Jesus lived with these guys day in. He lived with them day in and day out. He spent more time with these 12 men than with anyone else in the world put together. It's astonishing when you really think about it. And at the end of the of the Son of God's time on earth, he had staked everything, everything on his relationship with these eleven guys. In the middle of his prayer, he even mentions that one of them, Judas, was lost. So they weren't twelve anymore. It wasn't twelve disciples. That's what we hear in our Bible stories. But it's the eleven. And these eleven guys with a small group, small group, responsible for carrying on everything Jesus had to do. Smaller. How important is discipleship? Because, I mean, when you look at the scriptures, you look at Jesus' prayer, man, he could have prayed anything, but man, his prayer at the end of his life, before he was going to be crucified, his prayer was for his disciples. His prayer was for those 11 men and those people who would believe in him through their message. For all time. His prayer was for them, his prayer was for us, he lived with these guys day in and day out. How important is discipleship? It was everything to Jesus. And if it was everything to Jesus, I think it should probably be at the top of our priority list too. Do you agree with me? If it meant that much to Jesus, if Jesus came down to this world and His whole strategy was to pour into 12 people, which became 11, His whole strategy was those 11 people Three and a half years, he discipled them day in, day out to start the revolution, to change history, to restore the world back into a relationship with his father. And all of that was taking place, and all this importance was put on discipleship that ought to be at the top of our priorities. This is one of the reasons I created Frontline. For those of you that are in it, because in front of life, all of a sudden, I have a couple times a month where I have specific students who are, are excited about following Jesus and who are hungry that I can just pour my life into, that I can disciple. As well as teach them how to begin to disciple others. But you don't have to be in any group. You don't have to be a part of this group or that group. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a position. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to be discipling. You are a disciple, and you need to be making disciples. God's call is not just for those who signed up or signed up to do this or that in church. God's call is for everyone in this room go and make disciples of all nations. The students of element have to be committed to the call of God. I have to be committed to the call of God. We've got to be committed to seeing our friends and give our friends over to Christ. And to see them come to Christ and to see them come into the knowledge of knowing Christ and that relationship. We've got to be committed to that. We've got to be committed to seeing our friends and our peers begin to walk with Jesus Christ. During Jesus' lifetime, many came to Him. Many. I mean, couldn't He disciple everyone? He discipled 11. I mean, he's Jesus. He probably could have discipled 5,000. But that would have been a terrible model for us, wouldn't it? Because we wouldn't have been able to do it. He discipled 11. Many came to him. He couldn't disciple all, But he chose those who would serious. He chose those who would follow Him. He chose those who would drop their debts. He chose those who would leave everything and just follow Him. Their livelihood, their financial income, their family at times. He chose those who were serious about Him. And those are the ones He decided. And this year I believe that many will come through our students, through you guys, through our Friday nights, through our different ministries and our different outreaches. I think many will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They will receive Christ. And we as a student body have to be focused on discipling those God has given us influence over. So if you see one of your friends that's serious about God, that says, man, I really want to know more about God, starts asking me questions, starts wanting to hang out with you more. Starts this relationship and you lead them to Christ. Man, my goodness. What do you need? An invitation? Begin to disciple that person. Begin to pour everything that you know about God into that person. Begin to teach them how to read Scripture. Begin to teach them how to study the Word. Begin to teach them how to pray. Bring them to some of our prayer meetings. Bring them to our services. Begin to pour your life into them. Begin to disciple them. Does that mean you're going to be able to disciple everyone? No. Pick those who want. Pick those who want. Pick those who want. And start deciding. God will give you those who want to decide. Begin to pray about it. Say, God, don't let me miss my moment. God, don't let me miss someone that I'm supposed to be discipling. Don't let me miss someone that I'm supposed to be pouring your life into. Everything that I know about you into them. Don't let me miss that. Pray about it. God will give you those people. Tonight, other pencils out. I need. I need someone to grab. Oh, uh, I need someone to grab pencils. And yeah, everybody needs a pencil. Just raise your hand if you don't have a pencil. I mean, if you got a pen, or something. A pen. You need a writing pencil. Raise your hand. We're going to Bring it around to you. So tonight, just keep your hand up and listen. Focus. 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 And you get both in the of me out pencil, you'll have a pencil. Right? This exercise is to help you get priorities right. We've got to get our priorities right. We've got to get our priorities lined up with God's priorities. Now, we just talked uh, all, all tonight about what? What did we talk about? Discipleship. What was Jesus' number one priority? Discipleship. Was it preaching to the multitudes? was it preaching to thousands. No, it was discipleship. That was his number one priority. So we've got to get our priorities right, and we've got to get our priorities lined up with God's priorities. And it kind of looks like this. What's our vision and what's our mission statement? Love God, love people, serve our world. Love God. That's pretty simple. Love God. Love God. Say it, love God. Say it three times. Love God, love God, love God, love God. All right. Love people. Serve our Lord. Love God. Love people. Serve our Lord. In that order. Love God. Love people. Serve our Lord. In order to make disciples in all the nations, how do we need to reorient our life, our activities, where we spend our time, what we're focused on, our priorities? How do we have to reorient our life? How do we have to restructure it? What do we got to be different? How do we have to, where do we have to change our focuses throughout the day, throughout the week, in order to look a little more like Jesus, in order to make Jesus' priorities our priorities. Because that's what we really we I mean, what's the goal? We're supposed to be what? The light of the world? A city on a hilltop? We're supposed to be the light of Christ, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, we're supposed to look like him, act like him, speak like him, talk like him, do the things he did. We're supposed to be Jesus in this world, right? But we're going to be Jesus in the world, in this world, we better have our priorities right. We better, our priorities better be the same priorities as Jesus had, I would think. I mean, I could be dumb, but that's just common sense. I think our priorities should be the same as Jesus'. So, how am I going to reschedule my week in in order to fulfill my life's vision? What's your life's vision? To be a disciple of Jesus Christ. How am I going to do that? How am I going to fulfill God's vision for my life? Is my life really about God or is my life really about myself? I mean, I think Aaron told, said it to me the other night. And I know it's been said many times. Look at uh, your calendar and look at your checkbook, right? Is that what said? Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. And I'll tell you who, you who your God is and whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't even need to talk to you. Look at your calendar because you know your calendar is going to say? Where are you spending your time? What are you doing? In your trucks is going to say, "Well, where am I spending my money? Where are all my resources?" Going? You can tell. You can tell someone's a Christ a, a follower by those two things. You can see them them. You can tell. All right. So, how do we look like Jesus? What if we handed them over our schedule? What if we handed somebody our calendar? What if we handed somebody our checkbook, even though we may only have ten dollars for the month? Hey. Here's where we're at. Where do we, where do we hand out our, our, uh, our friends and where we're spending our time with them and where our influences are and what we're doing with those, with those people that God's put in our realm of influence? What are we doing with those people? What are we doing with our chemistry class that we're really good at chemistry and everyone looks at us and wants to cheat off us and looks to our papers because you have a whole bunch of influence in there all of a sudden because you're good at chemistry. What are you doing with that influence? Priorities. What are our priorities? Our priorities be disciple of God and disciple others, go into all the nations and make disciples. So, here's what I want you to do. We had a frontline getaway uh, a couple weekends ago, and uh, we started this process for some of our students. And uh, two of our frontline team members are going to share tonight. And one of them wasn't there, but she had already uh, shared. With some of our leaders about this life vision, what God had for her, what God wanted her to do, and how she was going to have to reorient and reorient and re- uh, reschedule her life around be really being a disciple of God. And also, we had another young lady who's there, so I'm going to have uh, Alana. I don't know where are you at? Come up here. I want Alana to kind of read some of the vision that God has given for her for this coming school year. You need this one, her. Ch, Check,
2: chonga, Check. Same. Like on the beach, we all had to like spend time with God by ourselves on the beach, and I didn't really know what to do. And I guess I just started praying, and this just came to me. And so, and I wrote it down. Uh, Proverbs 29 the fear of human opinion disables, trusting in God protects you from that. In the end, none of our friends' opinions will matter, only God's will matter. I have to stop worrying about what my new friends will think about me if I invite them to church. Their eternity is so much more important than my popularity. This year at Stevenson, I'm going to be a lion. I won't be afraid to stand up for what I believe at lunch when the conversation goes against God. I will make sure the prayer group outgrows its meeting place. The ones who are already Christians but don't live it out will become passionate. The amount of students from Stevenson who go to element will multiply tremendously. Carly will be saved. I won't be afraid to pray over people out loud in the hallways. How awesome would it be if people were getting miraculously healed in my school? Seriously, that would be awesome. God shines through people who aren't afraid to pray. I'm actually going to pray for my school this year on a regular basis because there's power in prayer, and prayer changes things. I'm going to trust in God completely through everything. I don't care if I lose all my school friends because I have friends at church who are always there for me. I'm going to sing worship music as I'm walking through the hallways or standing in my locker. Not one person will assume that I'm not a Christian because I'm going to make God famous. When friends describe me, they'll tell people that I'm obsessed with God instead of saying I'm obsessed with Star Wars and music like they would now. Above all, God is going to be the number one absolute priority in my life. Prayers of the essence. I mean, she got
0: specific. I mean, was it Carly? Carly's going to find Christ. I mean, she was specific. God was giving her names. God's giving her this vision of what she wants uh, her school to become. And she's not going to be bashful. She says, I'm going to be like a lion this year. I'm going after it. That is awesome. She's beginning to reorient her. Am I saying that right? It just sounds weird. Reorient She's beginning to redefine her life around Christ. And Christ is beginning to define her. And Christ is going to beginning to, uh, it's going to define where she spends her time. It's going to define where her focus is. It's going to define that she's going to be intentional, deliberate, whatever she's doing. God's beginning to define that in her life. You know what? She's becoming a disciple of Christ. She's becoming a disciple. Caleb, Kayla, what's the kind of reader? You had too. Taylor sent this to us before. A little retreat. but she Well uh, oh, like, I forgot my paper,
2: so I'll just get it. Oh.
0: You have it? Oh, she has it. See, you're already famous, right? It's coming kind of like Jesus famous. People have your stuff. It's really cool to have people's stuff. Hey, I know I'm successful after a preach, when someone comes up and asks me if I can email them my notes. I say, Here you go. my notes. Okay, I'm
2: just
0: telling you things.
1: <laughs> I have, well, first of all, I want to start a prayer group at school with Karina, which means finding a teacher that'll be willing to let us use our classroom. And we believe that we kind of found a teacher already. I want this group to be available to everyone at LCN, not just the students. I want to see teachers, hallway patrol people, the Prince Lord, even parents that I heard about from their students coming to pray. I hope that by Christmas break we'll have at least 30 people in our prayer group. I want to fill a classroom. I want, I want to see people who need prayer to know that they can come to us. I, want to be, I don't mind being known as the prayer people. And when we pray, we need to pray prayers big enough for our big God, but some stand still prayers. I want to see the sun stand still over LCM, pray for the impossible. I also want to really spread the word about Element and invite people to Friday nights. I want them to see that church can be a lot of fun. I want them to be excited. And I want and need the confidence to go up to people and invite them. I need to talk to new people every day and not hesitate when it comes to talking about God and all he's done in my life. Uh, I need to walk around school marked by the cross. A lot of what I've written down seems impossible, but with God all things are possible. In order to reach the 100 lost souls, I need to plant seeds. I need to be a leader and have confidence, boldness, and courage to run after those 100 souls and fight for them. The first thing that popped in my head when Aaron told me about the 100 was a vision of my entire gym, like how does it assembly fill? And I was in the middle of the b-ball court, just preaching with confidence and heart. And I wasn't afraid of what they thought of me. I was just telling them about our, our big God. I saw God breathe life into their dry bones. And one thing I want to see is my entire basketball team come to a Friday night service. Not just a few of them, but all of them. And I want to see them get saved. And I also would love to see my coach come to know Jesus. Uh, I really hope that this year I'll see one of my best friends actually accept Jesus as their Savior. I hope that I've already planted a seed in her heart, and I'm just waiting on God to make it grow. Another thing that seems absolutely impossible for my school to overcome is drugs and alcohol. I want to see that completely disappear because I've seen what it does in the lives of my closest friends. I want to on the shine, and I hope I will also see heartwork projects being done instead of seeing selfishness. I'll see selflessness. I know I've said a lot of "I wants," but I believe that God can, God can't, and will do the impossible if I have enough faith in Heaven's plan. I'm going to be bold for God. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Him and His will, and pray, pray, pray. I am really excited for this next school year, but also really nervous. But Coach always said nerves were a good thing. I'm praying for not only myself, but for every Christ follower in LCN to have confidence and courage to reach lives and live boldly for advancing the kingdom of God. We need to have audacious faith and dream big dreams for God. What happens when we dare to ask God the impossible? I want to know. And I just want to say something, too. Today I did a really hard thing. I had to say bye to two of my closest friends who are going to college. And the thought that just kept popping in my head is, was I an example from, was I was I being all that God wanted me to be? Like, I know I was a church girl on the team. Like, my friend got me a Jesus is my superhero shirt last week. But I just hope that was more than a church girl, that something, when they came here, that something triggered and then that God sent, God did something in their hearts. And I just hope that uh, this year all of us, not only in front line, will have courage to go into our schools and transform them.
0: Can you, hear, can you hear the, the focus in those, in those purpose, the purpose, the, the vision? Can you hear all of that energy? The deliberateness. Deliberateness? The being deliberate. The being intentional. I mean, can you hear that in there? I mean, this isn't like, oh, I'm going to go to school today or whatever and not even think about it. This is man, what are my plans today? What are my plans to bring God's revolution into my school? What are my plans to bring God's revolution into my friends' lives so that He could revolutionize them? What is my plan? What am I going to do? What's my life going to look like? What's it need to look like? So you have the screen sheet in front of you. Just like those two young ladies began to write out specifics Things that God's speaking. Can you come up here? your magic? Just like your friends are are just like just like those girls did that, and they have they got specific with their purpose, and they they prayed about it, and, and I mean, Alana was in prayer. She was in a prayer time with God, and God just downloaded this to her like that. Man, if we will just focus on God, He will tell us and show us what we need to do. I promise you. You know, Kayla probably took a few minutes and just began to sit down, focus on God, and all of a sudden God just began to reveal this stuff to her. Stuff that, man, just began to pour a passion in her heart. Her, her heart began to jump, and the passion began to grow, and this fire began to just, just, just this banned and the flame inside of them so that they could go out and really change the world. So that they could go out and see their friends come to Christ serve. They can be truly disciples of Jesus and do what he has called them to do. That's what it's about. It's about being a disciple. And you saw two examples tonight. And I know there's many more in this room, but you saw two examples of disciples. So look at your life. Man, are you following Christ? Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you living for yourself? I want to give you a few minutes tonight to start this process. I don't expect you to have all done in the next couple of minutes. But well, you need to start. You need to start asking God, God, what is your vision for my life this year? God, what do you want me to do? God, who do you want me to preach to? God, who do you want me to share your life with? Who do you want me to disciple? Who do you want me to pray with? God, don't let me miss a moment. Because he just throws people in there. And he throws situations in there, even that's beyond your life vision that he's going to get. God, don't let me miss anything to get after God, give me the school. I want a platform to speak to my school. I love that. Kayla pictured it. She pictured it. Her gymnasium full, just like a pep assembly, a pep rally. And she was boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus in the middle of that. Pray for a platform. Praying that you get on stage. Desire it. Want it. And if you want it and you're going to be faithful to that prayer, you better believe God's going to deliver the answer. And God will give you a stage to stand on. And He will give you hundreds, thousands on a mountain to speak to. It. Just like. You. But you gotta want it. I mean, if you never wanted it, and you just went through this year, just kind of living and just going through the motions. Would God ever give you a stage to stand on? If you weren't intentional and focused and desiring that and praying for that? No, He's not, because you're not going to do anything with it. But man, when we get focused, when we truly become disciples, when we're living life every day with Jesus, which is what we should be doing, not just Sundays and Wednesday nights, but when you start walking with Jesus every day, you start thinking about, God, what do you want me to do? God, these, these are my goals. These are my vision. This is my vision. The vision that you've given me, the things you want me to do and want me to accomplish is here. God, how can I begin accomplishing those today? What's on the agenda today, God? Wow, man, if we just ask that. God, what's on the agenda today? Oh, my goodness, Doors would going to be just swinging open left and right for you. What's on the agenda today? to live like every other teenager in this nation and be apathetic are we going to be average, are we going to be different, are we going to be out of the ordinary, are we going to do things different, are we going to look different than everybody else in school, I hope so, because if you don't, you're not making an impact or influence anybody, that look like? What's your life and your week look like? Following, radically following and hungering and thirsting for Jesus and being a disciple and following him day. What's your life look like? You got those sheets. You got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. There's not a day left out. i made mean, sure I don't joke. Because being a disciple of Christ is an, an everyday thing. It's not a Wednesday night and Sunday morning thing, it's not a Christmas and Easter thing, it's not a what I feel like a thing. It's an everyday thing. It's an everyday walk it's in your life and your priorities. The better be you to say Jesus Christ. So what's God want for you? What's God have for you? I want you to begin to write this out. I want you to begin to think about it. I'm gonna give you a few minutes. Kylie's just gonna play. You're going to write, think, and pray. It's going to be great. Take a few minutes. Ask God, God, download into me your heart. Download into me your vision. God, download into me specific names you want me to start praying for tonight because God, your will is that they will enter your kingdom this year. Start writing those things down. God begins to bring to your mind right now. And as you can continue to do this throughout the next few days, you're going to begin to see a vision begin to shape in your life, just like these two young ladies and women. And you're going to be, it's going to keep you focused, and it's going to keep you on the right track, and it's going to keep you intentional, and it's going to keep you following Jesus day after day. We mess up and we get sidetracked when we don't think about Jesus. It's plain the same. But when Jesus is on our heart, when Jesus is on our mind, all of a sudden yeah, we become we become super big superwomen. We become superheroes for Jesus. We become heroes, those who step out of their comfort zone to rescue another. All we got to do focus. All we gotta do is be disciples. Be disciples. Start writing. Start thinking. Start praying. I'm just background lyrics.